Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Behind the Pixel, the podcast where we try to bridge the knowledge gap between those who buy creative content and those who make it. Ah, very well done. My name is Will. And I'm Catherine. And today we have a fantastic creative guest who's made lots of creative content for lots of different entities. I'm so excited to talk to him. Yeah, we're excited to have a creative on for the first yeah, time Yeah, switching it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex Salzberg is the owner of Poke Gravy Studios, an animation company bringing unique creative projects to life for over a decade. He's an indie director, an educator, and a podcaster, and he's worked with companies like MTV, Nickelodeon, Boston Children's Hospital, and the Peabody Museum. Ooh, nice. Alex also hosts the podcast called I Love This Conversation. That's the name of the podcast. It's an amazing, fantastic podcast. It, it really always, is. It always makes me feel like I'm part of the creative community in some way. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's open. Really nice. It's honest. It's creative. So <laughs> if you're a fellow creative, uh, we, we totally go check that out. It's mm -hmm. really cool. He talks to creative people about where they are in their creative lives. It's really interesting. Yeah. We've known Alex for a number of years now. I think the first time we met Alex, it was through Animatic Boston. Yes. Um, yeah. He was the host of that particular uh, organization, organization and group. Yeah. A long time. They yeah. hosted events. We spoke at one of his events. Mm -hmm. It was um, it's fantastic. Yeah. And just over the years, we've continued to have really awesome, wonderful conversations with him, whether that's over coffee or over... Yeah. A, you know a tv on <laughs> in a podcast room <laughs> there's a lot yeah uh so yeah i'm i'm very excited to talk with them yeah let's get to it hi there welcome hello i'm so excited <laughs> to have you on you have no idea um, <laughs> I love your podcast. It's been oh wow such a joy to listen to. Yeah. No, really, it's been such a joy to listen to. I like. I feel like I'm part of a community every yes. single time. It's it's amazing. So thank you for that work. Thank thank you so much. I mean, the feeling is mutual. I feel oh. like I think we started podcasts like kind of around the same time, and I feel this sort of like animator podcast community in a sense. Yeah, with, with both of you, <laughs> small so. but mighty. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> So let's jump right in because I think we're we're excited to get to the conversation. Yes. Um, yeah. So our first question that we have for you is: How do you typically introduce yourself to potential clients versus to say fellow creatives? Uh, <laughs> does that differ? Does that in differ? any way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, and I think it hits on that. Like, I often describe myself in different ways. And any given day, I'm a freelancer or a studio owner or an independent animator. Um, the way I, I think I would answer this is like, I'm at a point in with clients and finding new clients where I'm trying to be more selective and that I'm trying to like really attract the clients that I want. So I kind of, in terms of introducing mm -hmm. myself to clients, I kind of lead with the work, like my real, my past work. I have so much of it now. I've, I'm lucky enough to have been working long enough to have like a lot to show for it, which is right. nice uh, when you do a lot of animation work. and. So I kind of put the ball in their court and not in like a too cool way. I'm not like in the corner with like a <laughs> cigarette, like, yeah, if you want animation, whatever. Like I, I want the work. I need the work. <laughs> like it's how I make a living. I definitely want clients, but I'm, I'm really trying to kind of attract the clients that want to make the same kind of videos that I want to make. I think mm. the comparison I thought of this morning as I was thinking about this, like musical instruments, like if I'm a violinist, mm. 
I'm still happy to play. I'm still flexible. I'll play any kind of song on violin. But earlier in my career, if someone was like, well, do you play guitar also? I might be mm-hmm. like, sure, I'll learn guitar. And now I'm like, <laughs> no, th- this is what I do. I do violin. By the way, I don't play any instruments. This is just a metaphor. <laughs> I'm, I d- definitely don't want to mm-hmm. like steal you know, from the very talented violinists who work really hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the comparison. Um, and then I also like market myself as a director producer, not just an animator. So I'm going to work with them start to finish. Mm. I'm going to bring on a team if necessary and all of that. Um, and then in terms of like fellow creatives, that's just more casual. I think like I, I feel I relate to people who are more just like strictly freelancers because I'm also in that freelance cycle of looking for clients, needing clients right, to right. make an income. That makes perfect um, sense. But I also relate to small business owners because I do take on a lot of that responsibility. I have to learn a lot of those same things that uh, business owners have to learn about taxes and, you know, <laughs> payroll and things like that. And then in general, I, our favorite things, yes, the best <laughs> things, the, the reason we got into the business. Um, Absolutely. Exactly. And then I also feel like I just relate to any kind of creative. Like, I think there is just, I don't know. I mean, you, you touched on my podcast that I talk to all kinds of creative people, not just animators, uh, because I feel like I have a lot in common with dancers and chefs and, you know, mm. even science writers and folks like that. So that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. It touches a little bit on the idea that, you know, we've seen that you've described yourself as both an indie animator, a writer, a teacher, three potentially very different roles, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but they all seem to come together in some crazy way. So I'm curious what type of animated content you are making through that lens as you're defining it. And has that content shifted or changed over time? Right. Are you the same creator you were (laughs) 10 years ago that you are today, in a sense? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely shifted. And I've definitely put thought and sometimes angst into those descriptors of indie animator, writer, teacher, and and especially the word indie. It's really shifted. Like I started out, I mean, I was into animation as a kid. I was one of those people who was lucky enough to kind of know the type of art I wanted to make pretty early on. But definitely in college was when I started out with kind of an indie spirit. That was an era where like... Mm web cartoons you could make one and there weren't that many so if you made a good one it could just like go kind of viral and mm-hmm. then that led to me doing similar like kind of indie-ish stuff but for clients like hey make a funny video about this for our website or or whatever and then that grew into doing more client work where i was more interested in trying to build a studio so i went through kind of more of like if you guys talked about Someone defined this for me a few years ago. Some artists or studios um, lean more chameleon and some lean more peacock, meaning like chameleon studios can kind of work in more of a variety of styles. Like they can kind of jump in more. And then peacock studios or artists are more like, this is what I do. These are my (laughs) feathers. And they're both really necessary and they're both really creative and cool ways to go. And I definitely went through more of a chameleon phase, which was both necessary because I was trying to make a living through <laughs> freelancing, which is not easy at first. Right. And it was also awesome yeah. because you learn a lot in that chameleon phase and you, you really grow as an artist. So that was kind of the lens then. So I don't think I would have thought of myself as indie. I really was trying to like build more of a traditional studio in a sense. Like I thought, okay, I'll work my way up and then I'll hire more people and then I'll get a, 
a building. Remember when we all like worked in a building? Um, uh, those were the right. days. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sort of what I thought. And then the last few years, I kind of started seeing that I could do more client work that I thought I touched on this a few minutes ago that I felt like more creative ownership over that was more what I wanted to do, like weird, funny, cartoony stuff, designs that I was excited about where I could like be more playful. And I started just sort of making the intentional choice to chase that. And simultaneously, I started actually doing more independent work. I started prioritizing making some shorts and bringing them to festivals. Mm. I started prioritizing like pitching some pilots, which is very, <laughs> very hard to do. And I, I just became more comfortable identifying as indie. So if it makes sense, it all kind of like came back around to that indie spirit. And now at the moment, I'm less interested in having that more traditional growing studio. I'm less interested in having more than like a few people working with me at any given time. And I'm less interested in having a, a building that could change again someday. But I'm definitely like in the mode now where I sort of pitch myself as like, I'm an artist who does this. I want to find clients who want something in that this and that mm -hmm. this is very broad because I, I view myself as like a pretty flexible and um, artist who likes new challenges. That's kind right, of like right. how I approach it now. Yeah. I, I want to just follow up there with another kind of quick question mm -hmm. here, which is like you got to some point where you made a shift that basically said, like, I'm ready to start maybe even sometimes saying no to projects a little bit to get the ones that you're really yeah. going for. Was it a gradular moment or do you feel like you knew exactly when you switched from like sort of in the small business world, like survival mode to like, now I'm ready to grow in a new way? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. And I, my answer is that it was <laughs> and is super gradual and still also like a little bit scary at times. The, mo the most definitive moment was like, I made a big shift in my website and like how I and my social media and how I marketed myself. But that was after a really gradual period. But yeah, I, I think it was when I started to notice that in general, bigger projects were paying off, like I, I call them like bigger fish, kind of like, rather than trying to catch lots of small fish all the time. And like, oh, no, it's dinner time. I need another small fish trying to catch um <laughs> i don't i also just like violin i don't know anything about fishing but uh yeah i was gonna the, try uh, to be like oh you're going from like a, a trout to a sea bass but i think those are both the same size i have no idea yeah i think it's illegal I, I to no fish idea. for shark or something yeah. so. right I, yeah. I picture all fish as sushi so you know it's all, <laughs> all cut, cut into the same bite-sized pieces but yeah i mm. i definitely like hit a moment where i started noticing that in general the bigger projects and Within that, there was this freedom that like, okay, if I'm going to have a little bit of choice to choose like what I'm going to be working on for the next five, six months, then I have a little bit of like breathing room to pick something that's more in line with my mm -hmm. creative values, my creative interests. And that's not to say that I don't still do some chameleon work. I have still some of my income comes from like, okay, there's this small corporate thing, mm -hmm. but I also choose that more intentionally of like that stuff I don't want to be like the big project that I'm focusing on so much. That's right. more like some extra, extra stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think we can relate. And I feel like we could probably continue going on this train for another couple of hours because there's a lot <laughs> yeah. to talk oh, about. Yeah, oh, totally. And yes. I, I think it's, it's so hard in any given moment to like define both our identity and then how that identity like relates to 
our business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those can sure. sometimes feel like separate things too. Mm-hmm. And even, even totally. like the choice of putting like writer and teacher and like deciding at any given moment, how much those are part of my identity is, is yeah. always a, a thought process. Definitely. Cool. Um, so you mentioned working with other creatives or hiring yeah. other people or doing more of this sort of studio work versus a singular freelancer work. How do you approach delegating those tasks across different creatives? I think at least from our audience, I feel like a lot of the type of work that we do with marketers and they're always sort of concerned about that a little bit yeah. is like, how is the work you give me going to be consistent across all the pieces that we're making? And so h- how do you do that internally for yourself? Yeah. Externally with clients, yeah, it's just a matter of reassuring them like, hey, like it's all through me. You're not going to really have to talk to anyone else like for better or for worse. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, internally, right. it's, it's a big learning curve and it continues to be a learning curve. The one thing that has helped is that I've been doing this for a really long time. Like I, I started bringing on other animators onto projects very early in my freelance career, much earlier, I think, than a lot of just sort of regular mm-hmm. freelancers do. Um, and I think it's because like part of my sensibility is collaborative. I, I grew up sort of admiring, you know, some of the old timey mm-hmm. animation studios and learning like, oh, at Disney, like this animator was good at this and this animator would do scenes like that. And, you know, same with like Warner Brothers and all that stuff. And so I, mm-hmm. I think I am pretty honest with myself mm-hmm. about my strengths and weaknesses as an animator and as an artist. And then I'm also like, I'm pretty happy to share credit. Like, I don't feel like another animator doing a really cool scene on something I made dilutes my directorial voice. I think as a director, I feel like I have a strong enough voice that when an animator mm-hmm. does a really cool scene, that is amazing for both of us. Like, I'm really happy for that animator that they did something really cool. And I feel really proud as a director that I made that choice to hire that animator and do that. So I, I tend to hire people really, really specifically, like if I hire, if any, if anyone who's worked for me has listened to this, um, they should feel good that I'm very intentional in general about the kinds of scenes and characters and moments that I give animators. And typically I hire animators. That's in a, I guess I also hire voice actors and sound design, typically hire my brother who I'm lucky enough as a sound designer. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, always comes yeah, in handy. That was yeah. A, that was a real lottery win. My brother is a composer and sound designer, so that really worked out. But yeah, I typically hire animators. I'm really intentional about the kinds of scenes I give them. So if an animator that I haven't met before sends me a reel and they're looking for work, I look very closely at like, okay, are they good at action? Are they good at dialogue? Are they good at you know subtle close-ups? Or are they mm-hmm. better at bigger things? Sometimes I get inspired, like I see an animator did something really cool with fire. And I'm like, you know what, this music video I'm working on, I should bring them on to do the, all the fire or whatever. So that's something I'm pretty intentional about. Mm-hmm. And I think that really pays off. And then in terms of each specific piece, I do think a lot about like what's going to bring the most consistency. And in the type of work that I do, which is at least the type of work I, I want to do all the time, as I touched on, which is like cartoony. 2D, somewhat traditional animation. They use a lot of digital shortcuts, but somewhat traditional. I find that the the bookends of the project bring the most consistency. So if you have strong designs and are able to give those to the animators really well, and then also having a very clear idea of what cleanup and color and post-production is going to look like and how you bring it all together, I found that that brings the most consistency and the middle stuff is actually more flexible 
like in terms of how characters move or even with the design. I'm not always the most nitpicky about like stuff being slightly off model here and there if it supports a scene. I I actually kind of have a soft spot for uh, stuff that's off model. I think it's like growing up on 90s Simpsons where like, (laughs) yeah, I just I just thought that show this is like maybe just an old man take, but like. I thought that show looked better when they made more mistakes. It was more fun to watch. Ah. And I just have a soft spot for that. And so it's not that I'm intentionally making mistakes, but I find that I'd much rather like everything be really consistent in post and like, you know, have the important parts of the designs there. And then that's kind of like comes to my policy on directing animators. I've learned the hard way because I am. I'm talkative. I think out loud (laughs) and I do. I do have a lot of opinions and, and thoughts about my own work, but I've had to learn the hard way that like less is more with directing. If you overwhelm, mm. let's say I'm giving an artist a character to animate and I tell them a hundred things <laughs> about that character that they need to keep in mind. They can only mm-hmm. hold seven of those things in their mind at once. So it's, right, right, it's right. better that I give them the 10 most important things about that character so that the seven things that they're holding in their mind are from the 10 most important instead of them missing 93 things that might include really <laughs> right, important <right>. things. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm always learning that the hard way. Even on a most recent project, I learned the lesson that it's better to have more rounds of doing like key poses. You know, I'm depending on your who's listening to this. That's like the <laughs> the main poses of the animation. So if a character is jumping up and down, that might be them bending their knees on the ground and then another drawing of them in the air. And then we would fill in the other drawings later. I've learned to do more of those. And on the first round of key poses, letting the animators be off model so they can focus on the fun movement. And I had to kind of learn that the Mm. hard way. And I'm going to, that kind of messed with the schedule, but I'm going to work that into future schedules. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's always a learning curve. Yeah. It sounds like there's, there's some similarities between our last podcast interview E Tracy was talking about Uh sort of letting go of some of the directorial things that marketers do or communication folks when they're running a campaign and they're doing creative and they're trying sort of to, to control the process in, in such a way. Exactly. But sometimes, you know, you have to make the decision, I think is what she said. Like you have to make decisions, but you also have to let the creative do what they're going to do. And, and you're sort of in that same position. It seems like there's this idea that like, I have to let go of some of the stuff before I can, you know, uh, actually control the, the project. Um, mm. <laughs> and, and in letting go, you're controlling in some way. Yeah. That's kind of a weird thing. Uh, but Right, which is an, and that's an interesting thing to communicate too, to like, if I was to, as a project manager, tell the, the client like, hey, the way we're going to approach this is we're going to let go. <laughs> and like, how will they receive that, right? Like it's, but it is part of the process that makes it a lot better because you're you're allowing for, the creatives to have the freedom and flexibility that they need while keeping in mind the core points or the core messaging that the the client wants to keep in place. So it's a it's a fine balance that I have so much respect for anybody who's in that position because I, I understand the struggle there. Yeah, it's it's tough and it's different for every project. Yeah. Right, so right. Because it's different for every client. I have to learn what's important to the client mm-hmm. as well so that I can communicate that as maybe the 10 most important right. things, part of the 10 most important things to the anime. This is why, this is what my client cares about. Right. right. Uh, exactly. Here. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, cool. So along those same lines, 
what are some of the pitfalls um, that, you know, sort of on both sides, clients and artists can avoid when doing some of this creative work? Yeah, I think kind of it comes down and this is easier said than done. But like the biggest way to avoid pitfalls between clients and artists. And again, these are a lot of hard won lessons for sure. Setting clear expectations about everything Mm -hmm. is going to help. And that can be uncomfortable. That can be uncomfortable for clients Mm because they may not know all their expectations yet. And that can be uncomfortable for artists who feel like they just caught a fish (laughs) and don't want that fish to wriggle off the line while they're like, "Uh, can you please sign this form and pay me (laughs) up front and all that? But um, but I try to really set clear expectations. And I think you can set clear expectations in a really conversational way if you get used to it. But, you know, deadline, how feedback is delivered, what can be changed when in the pipeline is very important. Because people don't always know with animation, like, hey, it's much easier to change something in the storyboard than it is, you know, a month later when that scene is animated. You hear that, clients? Yeah. You hear that? <laughs> I know. Or, yeah, it's reiterating a very good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm saying it wasn't just me who said it. Right. <laughs> Other people have said oh, it. Oh, I'm happy to say it. And, and I, yeah, it's, but it's hard because the other thing is that clients, and this is true for me as a director too, people don't always know what's wrong with something until they see it. So you kind of have to, yeah. it's very hard. But yeah, really being clear about like how and when you'll communicate how and when you'll be paid. Um, I think it's it's the author, Brene Brown, who's yeah. as clear as kind. Mm. And that I fully believe that. Mm. And then also, I think like, this is a big one. Have a deadline. I should say have a, a lots of deadlines for different things, even if it's not that important to the client. Even if you have a client who's mm. like, yeah, this is kind of a pet project for me. I'm just, just wanted this music video to like have for fun. Um, Like, trust me, make a deadline. Yeah. Now, the fact that it's a little bit more flexible for that client may help you down the line when you're like, hey, I need another <laughs> month. But um, but have a deadline. I have run into, you know, having no deadline means different things to different people. Like, oh, get it done when you can might mean July to one person and, you know, December to the other person. So yes, right, right, yes. right, yep. that's really important. And then another pitfall that I think clients and artists can really avoid, or I, I guess something that helps avoid pitfalls that I've learned is have like a lot of transparency on both sides in terms of like what kind of company you are, what kind of operation you are. Like early in my career, especially mm-hmm. when I wanted to be like a bigger studio, I think I would kind of sometimes pretend mm-hmm. to be bigger than I was. Um, but then also on the flip side, mm-hmm. I think I try to ma- be careful that clients know that I am a production company. I'm fitting their project into a slate of productions. I'm not just saying like, I work for you now for the next two months. And that's important because you don't want them to see me post another project on Instagram and being like, oh, that's why the storyboard was one day late because he's <laughs> working on that other project secretly. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like, um, you want that transparency. And on the flip side, I think it's really important that clients are also transparent about how their organization works. It can be really hard as an artist. I don't know if this ever happened to you where you think the person you've been talking to the entire production process is in charge of the project. And then you finish it, you go through lots of rounds of notes and then they're like, great, now I'm going to send it to my boss. And <laughs> yes. Um, yep, yep, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's something that's more helpful to go- know up front. And then another thing that I really like to know, it's a little hard to ask <laughs> because it can be touchy, but sometimes you're working for like a client where you're meeting with a couple of people in the organization every time. 
I like to know, and sometimes I have to figure it out myself, but who is in charge in that group of people? And sometimes they don't agree Mm -hmm. about that. But it can be tough because sometimes the most opinionated person is not necessarily the person that it's important for you to make happy (laughs) in that organization, you know? So Mm. I, I would say to future clients, it's really helpful to us to just know, not in any sort of like, I'm the boss, don't listen to him way, but like more just to kind of know like, hey, like um, at the end of the day, run things by me. Like if don't move forward until you get feedback from me as well as these other two mm-hmm. people and so on. That's just really Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I think we try to suss out <laughs> super early <laughs> in the process because we're yeah. saying yeah. like, who, who is our point of contact, which is could be different than who is the person giving us the feedback right the final decision maker yeah usually the point of contact necessarily might not be that same person the point of contact could be a producer on their side if you're working with an agency you know there might be six or seven different people and then there's the business side people there's six or seven different people over there too so teams can get really really big really really quickly or Um, or how many clients there are like sometimes i'm working for a client but the project is actually for their client's client's client, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, and that your relationship it is now client four times removed. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> On your, our ancestry your, tree. It's your like, great mm-hmm. grand client. Yeah, I think. your great grand client. <laughs> <laughs> I am absolutely going to steal that. Your I mean, grand that uncle could, client. <laughs> that always comes up. This may be like a little too sausage gets made and you can delete this if you don't want the public to know. But, you know, sure. like we all as artists, we've all probably had some like, cool high profile clients we can put on our resume right Mm -hmm. sometimes you know sometimes that is your great grand client right sometimes you were working for a marketing agency which was working for the publicist of the (laughs) artist or whatever and like so you know i don't know if everyone wants everyone to know that it's cool to say like i i work directly for this really cool company but (laughs) yeah yeah it's totally honest and i think that's that's a little bit of what we're trying to reveal here because i think it's it's interesting how that work gets done, right? Mm-hmm. Like large, large, large firms are actually hiring really tiny yeah. artists and they don't know it. Yeah. You know, they don't know it. They, they, they're like, oh, we've hired this big, large company. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that big, large company hired us. Right. Right. And we've done 90% of the work yep. that you didn't realize was getting I mean, done. it could, yeah, it could be something to that, that like, I think it would actually be really interesting if a client came to us and said, oh, how did you get that partnership or how did you work for, you know, Nickelodeon or how did you work for this other big company? Yeah. Like, and we could be like, oh, here's here's the process we went through. And that might actually create a a little bit more transparency, but be kind of some respect in that way to be like, oh, OK, you you've navigated multi-level client relationships yeah. and communications there. So in a way, I think that might provide more credibility than less. It makes you, it makes you a little bit more valuable. But, but opening that door also leaves a door open to saying like, well, why am I hiring six people <laughs> to get to that person? Right. Yeah, I should just be, hire that it person. It could be a different reaction. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. so it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, though, because I think that that's important yeah. for, for clients to know that yeah. that's the reality I mean, it, of what it happens, happens to us all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. to be open, we're open pixel. We're going to be open about it. It happens to us all the time. <laughs> yes. We have, you know, great grand clients, great, great grand clients. I love that term <laughs> oh, so much. Yeah. I'm 100% <laughs> stealing it. Because yeah, yeah, it happens. Please do. Yeah. Please Especially do. with like big companies. And, and it's, I'm not putting, you know, when I'm saying like, oh, I made a video for Skype or for Hewlett Packard or for 
you know, right. whatever. I'm not saying that to pad my resume in some lying way. Like I did make a video for Skype. Right. I did make a video right. for yes. insert <laughs> company here. It's more so that um, that it's like that. It, it doesn't help me on my website to be like, I made a video for a, you know, marketing firm that got hired to do web videos for this, you know, subsidiary <laughs> of Skype, this app they made or whatever. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, but I, I think it is helpful to say like, yeah, the us as these small companies, we are often working through a chain of command, but then also also sometimes not. I mean, like some of the music yeah, videos yeah. I've done, I just talk directly to the artist, you know. So it's kind of a mix. It happens a lot in that industry because they respect the artist mm-hmm. more yeah. than than other types of industries, mm-hmm. right? So musicians are artists, they're working with artists all the time. And so they they understand what it's like to have a one-on-one connection with an artist versus exactly. say a marketing firm who's always thinking about revenue or profit or how is, you know, how is the artwork going to generate more revenue? How is the creative yeah. going to generate more value? Like, and that's fine. Like, right. it's just it's two different ways right of thinking about yeah. this sort of similar problems. Like, the reason an artist at MGM, the record label, does a video is to get more views on YouTube. And I mean, yeah. it's a marketing ploy, right? It it is still a marketing tactic, but you are treating it differently. You're treating it as an artist creating mm-hmm. something versus yeah. like, okay, where's the profit coming from? So it's just a different right. way of looking at it. Yeah, exactly. That's totally exactly. fair. We're kind of getting a little bit into this sort of like navigating client relationships a little bit. And so I'm curious, like what sort of big lessons or takeaways you've had from working with different types of clients over the years? Because, you know, for me personally, to be transparent, I've always wanted to work on a music video. Never had the chance, but Mm. one day I will. And so I'm curious, like how those different types of clients you've worked with, like, has it been more challenging in some industries versus another have you found any patterns that happen within navigating those relationships oh that's a that's a great question i i'll say as i say this all the time partly just because it's true but partly because i'm always trying to manifest more music videos um (laughs) i love doing music videos especially when i get to work with the musician which has been most of the time most i've done a few higher profile music videos and in those cases, I also mostly got to work with the musician or at least people really close to them. But I lo- I've done a lot of like stuff for indie musicians or musicians who are maybe not like super famous, but who are like doing great on Spotify and, and stuff like that. And they work directly with you. And I think what I like about it is because, yes, there's that marketing goal, which is which is the reason most people sort of hire someone to make a video is I want more views. I want more attention or, or more or to get this message out. But musicians also share that artist thing of like, I also want this to be cool because, because, yeah. because I want it to be cool. Like there's, <laughs> right. there's yes. no right. beyond that. Like this, I want this to be cool or insert whatever, <laughs> what I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be fulfilling. I want it to be whatever, whatever, um, look great, sound great. And so I just love that. Um, I also find that. Uh, music videos from a practical perspective as much as like I love doing shorts and other stuff where you're incorporating sound and things like that music videos already have the soundtrack done they already have the timing done so it's just like a more straightforward process and then in terms of like narratively usually there are stories and narratives within a music video but they're non-linear in a way that's I I find really really fun 
I love experimenting mm. with visuals and story stuff and doing <laughs> I like getting weird and music videos are like a chance to be weird. And it, and it <laughs> depends on the song, of course. <laughs> right, right. Nice. So I found in general music videos just provide a lot of creative freedom. That's a really good fit for me. In terms of other types of clients, another favorite type of client, which may sound like the opposite, but I really have loved a lot of the videos I've done that are in kind of the educational and or maybe it's not strictly educational because it's an advertising, but like the I've done stuff in the medical space where talking about different um, medical procedures or medication, things like that. And I like those. Oh, yeah. I I'm a pretty curious person. Like I really love learning about something and then figuring out how to distill it so that other people like me <laughs> can understand it. Um, and I find that process really creatively fulfilling. And I find that right. the clients yeah. in those spaces are really, really appreciative of animation because that it's sort of this magic trick in a sense for them where the, they can hand me all this science and then I can make it into something fun yes. and charming and, and all that. Um, so I, I found digestible, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I found, I guess maybe the lesson in there is that I found that approaching those projects with curiosity and um, interest in the topic, even if it's maybe a topic I wouldn't be a hundred percent interested in just on a given day. Although I, I'm, I have a pretty like wide range of interests and in medical stuff is like <laughs> interesting to me, especially um, but approaching it that way really helps those client relationships because they feel like you care about the thing. And they're often, especially if you're working with people who are like directly involved, like I did, I did something for about gene therapy and some of the people I was working with mm -hmm. were pretty involved with the discoveries in that field. And, um, they were excited that I was excited about what they were doing. So I was going to follow up on that to kind of ask, like, has there ever been something that you maybe didn't expect to learn about in your career that you're like, oh, now I know a lot about this thing. And I like maybe <laughs> I don't I you know, there's times where we've learned about like, what was it? It was like plane engines. <laughs> I know a lot about how mm. the internal electric systems work on 747s. Right. And so, <laughs> okay, like, this is something we were expecting to learn. <laughs> I can already picture the the scene where they're like, the pilot's passed out and there's an electrical problem and you're... I right, totally right. know how to Does fix it. Does anyone yeah. here know about the electric... This is a 747. I, the animator, yeah. I will save us. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. You put down your tablet and just... <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a great short film idea there. I love yeah. it. I'm, I, yeah, That's I, awesome. I yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Have you, have you had situations like that where it's like a surprise moment of like, oh, I didn't expect to like learn this thing, but now I know it and that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, the biggest one that comes to mind is <laughs> I could, I don't know if this is true for every brand, but I imagine there's a lot of similarities. I could go into like a downstairs like basement server room open like a server cabinet and I could generally know okay. like where the data was stored, what, which one was the battery, what the fans mm. are. Like mm. I've, I've done a lot of ongoing work about <laughs> yes. those parts. It's actually, it's not the most interesting videos I've done, but it's been a good client doing stuff for Dell in particular. Oh, about cool. that. Nice. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, I mean, definitely the, in the medical stuff, gene therapy was a really interesting thing. I got to tour like the whole gene therapy lab at Boston Children's Hospital. It's it's super cool to be learning about something where they're like, 
this is literally like new stuff we figured out that is helping oh, people cool. right now. Like it's That's really awesome. exciting. Nice. Yeah. Nice. There's definitely so many examples. I think I also learn a lot about like people. I've done um work for I have a, a client who's come back every yeah. few years who lives in Kuwait. And so just getting to know him has been interesting. I do work for you know, like a rapper in uh, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from him just about his life there. So it's like, for me, I think really what stands out is I'm not, I'm not saying I become best friends with all of my clients, but you really do get to know these different people. And I think it's so easy. We all, I'm sure you do too, have juicy horror stories about, about client artist relationships and, and times that they're like combative or go wrong. I have a, whole bunch of those because i've been working a long time and i've learned a lot of things the hard (laughs) way but i do like to in addition to sharing those stories sometimes i do like to really focus on how many great clients i've had because Mm -hmm. like i don't like to frame the default thing of like client artist relationships as this combative thing i think it's um that's why i like your podcast and the and the focus like i really think overall like it is about how two different types of companies or, or artists or, or people can help each other. And so, so yes, it's a business transaction. Right. Of course, I'm not saying like, we're just doing it because we like, I'm not trying to be like Michael Scott, like it's about people, you know, but like, um, <laughs> but yeah. that is a, a wonderful side effect of being like a freelancer or a studio is that I'm not just doing the same kind of work all the time. I've worked for all different kinds of people from all over the world and all different kinds of companies and it's been cool yeah it's kind of a beautiful thing when you like especially when you've like when you've gotten started for the first time and you you tend to grow with the clients so you tend to like Mm -hmm. you watch them grow and they watch you grow and they try to support that journey along the way and then you get like i know a number of clients where like i could bring up a like an inside joke and they'll totally get (laughs) what i mean and like you know it's it's an interesting relationship that can really strengthen over time and that's that's a beautiful thing when when you're doing something that you feel like is you know it's a business and it's a job but it it can create some really long-lasting relationships yeah Yeah. it's so so true speaking of of relationships i want to extract from you as much Mm -hmm. as i can and i want to think about the future a little bit so for future potential clients out there in the ether listening to this (laughs) what would you want them to know about either your workflow, your pipeline, or or in general, anything really. What right. would you say to those people? You have about thirty seconds. So go. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I kind of touched on this, but I, I'm really in an era mm-hmm. of where, like, in a sense, I want to do my thing, quote unquote. And but I don't mean that in an unchecked way. Like, I'm super not a diva. I don't think. I mean, you could ask <laughs> other people, but um, I'm really not. Like, I love collaborating. I like as I just talked about, I love learning about the client and I'm very open to notes and input, but I want clients who see the work I've already done and not only want more of that, but like, trust me because of that work. Like I I want clients who look at my portfolio and see me as someone they can like trust. And I, I, I really want clients to know that I approach projects with a lot of curiosity and I want clients to know that uh, I want to do music videos all the time. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll do other stuff happily, but I really want to do um, I want to do music videos. So nice. In the light of always being on the lookout for collaborators, one day when we get a music video too, we know exactly who we're going to reach out to to be like, let's do this, yeah. let's make it happen. Absolutely, <laughs> love it. I'm I'm down. <laughs> That's cool. awesome. Yeah. 
I think we're. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for spending spending time with us. Spending time with us, being a voice of reason sometimes, and yeah, we love this conversation. We did. Oh, we did love this conversation. Great reference. That's that's copyrighted. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll send you a check later. Yeah. Yeah, So if if people want to connect with you, where would they do that? Yeah. um, So I'm very reachable. The social media I'm most active on is Instagram. You can check out some of my work there. I actually post a lot of animation on there now because I'm posting little animated clips that go with my podcast. Um, And I'll I'll respond to DMs and stuff on there. Pokegravy.com is my website. It's about both me and my company. And I'm always trying to strike that balance. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a great way to reach me. It's a really great way to see past work and my reel. Uh, I'm pretty Googleable as well. Uh, I'm <laughs> lucky enough to have a last name that's not super common, so um, there. You know, that's good. You, you can find me on Google, and um, also, yeah, you've mentioned it, but I'm very excited about this podcast that I've been doing for a little less than a year. It's been super rewarding. I've gotten to talk to so many great people. If you subscribe, maybe in a few weeks you'll hear some familiar voices. Uh, Ooh, I won't say I wonder who's <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I won't say who, but uh, yeah, if you're fans of Open Pixel, you might enjoy these people. Ah, we'll see. Um, so who yeah, ch- d- whole- who from Open Pixel do we like? I don't. I don't, I don't think know. we like any of them. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Uh, we love this conversation, and <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it.